Blog Talk Radio. That's right. The boys are back in town. Welcome to a new episode of the Zero Technique podcast. I am your co-host, Ryan Stern. You can follow me on Twitter at rstern33. Uh, We are, as always, brought to you by BackSportsPage.com. Definitely make sure you're checking out BackSportsPage.com for all the great content we have going up on a daily basis. some of that content is brought to you by my co-host Jared Zero. Jared, how are you this evening? I'm doing excellent, Ryan. Thank you for asking. And yourself? Oh, doing great. We got. Uh, the, the, this is such a great time to be a sports fan. Was, we're a, a few weeks into the hockey season. We're about midway through the football season. Basketball's just beginning got the world series going on there's just so much going on uh in sports it's really is a great time to be a sports fan yeah i couldn't agree more i you know we got the world series going on and football the playoff race is starting to get really interesting you know i'm a big bruins fan and they've been they've been pretty hot so far at the start of the season so things are looking good things are looking good yeah, we, uh, me being a, a Rangers fan, uh, we had a, a great start to the season with a two and zero record. Haven't won a game since, uh, but uh, <laughs> but they're actually dominating the top team in hockey right now in the Buffalo Sabers. Uh, right now, they're uh, they're up four to one. So it, uh, it right now is a good time. Uh, it, they're they're just <laughs> such a young team, but uh, we are definitely a football show here. And what I want to open up the show with is uh, we, it, it's been a couple of weeks since we've been with you. And the, the one thing that I've noticed this year, especially compared to some of, of the other years in, in the past, you, you very rarely see a ton of trades. And there's definitely more trades this year than than there have been in, in recent memory and not just the the quantity of trades but the quality of players that are being traded we're talking about someone like what one of the best cornerbacks in the league in Jalen Ramsey uh we're seeing top wide receiver well, good really good wide receivers in Mohamed Sanu and Emmanuel Sanders uh getting shipped from their former teams now to uh, contenders. Uh, which trade do you think is going to uh, – w- 
trades and we are recording uh, the evening of October 24th. So which of the trades that have already happened do you think is going to have the biggest impact on the team that acquired the player that, uh, that, that they did? Honestly, I'm going to go back to the October 15th trade between Baltimore and the Rams. You know, Baltimore got Marcus Peters, obviously, because the Rams got Jalen Ramsey. And Baltimore sent Kenny Young, an inside linebacker, and a fifth-round pick to L.A. I think this one's going to have the most effect in terms for Baltimore because of how dynamic of a player Marcus Peters can actually be and his skill level. And I think adding Marcus Peters to the mix of the Baltimore defense gives them a very complete feel to that side of the ball. And I really think that, I mean, you're seeing it with New England. Yeah, their their offense is led by Tom Brady. Their wide receiver core isn't great, but that defense is just ripping teams apart right now. And so I think having a complete defense by adding Marcus Peters, I think is going to give Baltimore the edge in some of their tougher games and, that are coming up in the schedule. Yeah, I mean, you you look at uh, at, at Baltimore and they they have had one of the top defenses in the league, but the one place that they were sort of iffy in position because of injuries. I mean, you had uh, their top cornerback Jimmy Smith. Uh, who's missing extended time, uh, Tavon Young out for the season. That's their top two cornerbacks who are out for an extended period of time. And uh, I know Tavon Young is definitely out for the year. Uh, Jimmy Smith is uh, is on uh, IR designated to return, so he can come back in a couple weeks. But the the Ravens defense definitely needed an upgrade at uh at the cornerback position. This is an AFC North that is ripe for the taking. I mean the, the this I think a lot of people sort of had these fantasies about the Cleveland Browns uh just coming in and taking the world by storm, taking the division. But I think what a lot of people forgot is that the the Baltimore Ravens were a good team, and with the progression that we've seen from Lamar Jackson over the first half of the season, this is definitely a, a, a year that the Baltimore Ravens can make a, a, a real strong case for being maybe not the top team in, in the conference, because obviously we, we see what, what the Patriots have done so far, uh, but really for for that number 2 team in the conference they they really have a strong case to uh to to make it themselves yeah no i agree um you know i do really like everything that baltimore's been putting forward you know lamar jackson is just he's he is not I, he is proving literally everybody wrong every single week so I, I, I 100% agree with everything you just said, you know, so I like Baltimore and I, and like I was saying, I, I really think this upgrade at the cornerback position by getting Marcus Peters really just 
I don't want to say seals the deal and makes them the best team in the AFC, but it does certainly make them a threat. Yeah, and uh, two two of the moves that I question, and granted, I know uh, the the two teams that made the moves definitely needed some sort of upgrade. Well, I mean, the Patriots never need an upgrade because, <laughs> but you you look at their wide receiver group, and especially with uh, and, and I guess it's now more making sense with uh, with Josh Gordon going on injured reserve. Uh you you really have Julian Edelman and a bunch of question marks at, at the wide receiver position for the New England Patriots and they go out and they they send a second round pick to Atlanta for Mohamed Sanu. And uh, if there's one thing that we we know about Bill Belichick is that he's the only person in the world that can get anything out of players from Rutgers. I mean, the, the slew of Rutgers players that have been brought into new England and have just exceeded any sort of expectations. uh, The list is just countless. So um, it's going to be real interesting to see how Sanu fits into this team, especially because we know the Patriots' offensive system is very difficult to pick up. It's one that a lot of very qualified, a lot of very qualified wide receivers have gone in and haven't been able to pick up right away. Yeah, I think it's going to be different for Sanu, though. You know, I've heard countless times where Josh McDaniels has boasted about Sanu's skills. He's, you know always giving him a lot of credit. He's the, the team is very familiar with Muhammad Sanu. And I think that his, he's going to fit in seamlessly. I think with the Patriots offense, I think he's going to catch up really fast with the, with the offensive scheme. So I'm going based off, you know, the praise he's received from everyone in the organization. I mean, Muhammad Sanu, in my opinion, is a phenomenal wide receiver. If I had to, to I, I'd probably put him in the top 20 wide receivers in the league. But the reason why I think a lot of people overlook him or why they never really considered him is because he was on an offense in Atlanta that's led by Julio Jones, who now that Antonio Brown's no longer in the league is the clear-cut front runner for the best wide receiver in the NFL. He's also with Calvin Ridley, who looked good as a rookie and now is looking great is a second year. So, I mean, he was just a great piece, but the third option on a very strong wide receiver core. So I don't, I actually really like the move of going after Sanu. I think, you know, this does exactly what the Patriots need. You know, I think he's a good replacement for Josh Gordon. I mean, Sanu is a big guy. He's fast. You know, he can make very similar to to Josh Gordon. Right, exactly. So I think he's he's basically the perfect replacement. And I honestly think that if it came down to it, I mean, you know, Sanu has full seasons under his belt. Josh Gordon hasn't played a full season since his rookie year. So I, I like the move. I really do think that Sanu will he will adapt very quickly here in New England. And I really think that going forward, he's 
I honestly can see him becoming Brady's number one target. Yeah. Uh, well, right now, as long as Julian Edelman's there, I think Julian Edelman will always be the number one target. But I, I think if you're looking down the road, especially into next year, I if Mohamed Sanu is around next year with the Patriots, I think that can be a, a dangerous tandem with uh, with him and Brady. If you give him a full off season to get used to the offense, especially with the experience that he'll get over the the second half of this season, uh, I, I can definitely see. A, a great combination uh but especially if you're looking at your uh at your fantasy team i know there's some uh some leagues that muhammad sanu may have been available and definitely check your waiver wire because uh he's definitely going to be someone that you're going to want to at least have a stash on your team maybe not start right away uh but definitely ha- have available for the second half of the season because the potential uh, for being one of Tom Brady's top targets uh, is just going to, uh, to be great. Uh, The other trait that I wanted to talk about was uh, Emmanuel Sanders to, uh, to San Francisco. I mean, Emmanuel Sanders, he's right now, you have to think that he's the best talent in the wide receiver group uh, in San Francisco. But this is a team that likes to run the ball uh, with, with Kyle Shanahan and look at what, what Tevin Coleman has been able to do since uh, he came back from his injury. He's been great. Uh, Not getting enough of the praise uh, that, that uh, he's, he's not getting enough praise that than he should. Um, and it's not a system that I think really fits Emmanuel Sanders. Uh, they definitely needed an upgrade because they have not been able to get much out of their wide receivers. Uh, Dante Pettis has been a bust so far. Uh, you, Marquise Goodwin has been okay. Uh, you, they just needed more. So I can see why they went out and got it. I just don't know if the health of Emmanuel Sanders to go along with the the system that they play, we're going to see Emmanuel Sanders have that big of an impact. Yeah. I mean, in most cases, I would agree with you. Um, I do agree that obviously they are a very run heavy team. They're a run first team. But I think that's actually going to work in Emmanuel Sanders' benefit is because with the type of offense that the 49ers can run now that they do have consistent receivers. Because I'm not going to lie, Jimmy Garoppolo, he's, he's a pretty solid quarterback. His numbers aren't great. And it's like you said, they haven't had. Oh, we lost Jared. All right. So, um, so let, let me, I, I guess I'll, I'll continue with uh, what I, I can see where Jared's going. Um, Emmanuel Sanders is definitely going to open up the offense more. They're going to be able to be more balanced if that's the direction that they want to go. 
Um, so I, I can see the acquisition of Emmanuel Sanders maybe having a and uh, <laughs> glad to have you back, Jared. I don't uh, really know what. I was saying I, I can definitely see where you're coming from, and I, I can see the acquisition of Emmanuel Sanders maybe even helping out the run game because now they're going to have more of a balanced look to them. Uh, so I, I can see that happening. Yeah, I mean, I don't know what what you got. I, I'm honestly, like I said, not sure what just happened with the with this, but – what I was saying was I think because San Fran is just such a run-heavy team first that most teams against them are going to play it safe, at least for the first couple of games. And then that'll allow Emmanuel Sanders to kind of work in a little bit more smoothly with the passing game. And I think it's, I think he's going to be a good fit there. I think, you know, he's going to get the targets he wants. You know, he's going to have – a much better upgrade from Joe Flacco and Jimmy Garoppolo throwing to him. So I really do think that, you know, it it is going to be a decent move. I think it's a good move. I was hoping that he was going to come to new England actually, but then I saw the Muhammad Sanu trade and, you know, I'm, I'm very happy with, with pretty much all the trades. So I think Emmanuel Sanders is going to work in San Fran. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely, I mean, you, you look at the, the two undefeated teams left in the NFL are the two that went out and uh, improved their wide receiver core uh, over uh, over the last week. Uh, another one uh, that, that came across today that, that I found interesting was the Detroit Lions uh, trading safety Quandre Diggs over to the Seattle Seahawks. And apparently the Detroit locker room is not happy about it. Uh, Darius Slay came out and sort of said, well, uh, um, that nobody is safe and voiced his displeasure with, uh, with the trade. Uh, I, I think this is a great move for Seattle. Uh, they definitely needed an upgrade in their secondary. No, I agree. It was great. It was definitely great for the Seattle Seahawks, but I really think that with the vibe that's coming across in the Detroit locker room is kind of going to kill their vibe and how well they've been doing this season. Obviously they're not the first place team, but they're playing really good football. You know, the team themselves they are doing, they, they had a tough, few weeks so far and but I think that the division that's going to come from the displeasure in the locker room because of this trade is actually really going to affect the morale of that team and it's really going to affect how well the team is going to end up doing but I do agree that Seattle did need to upgrade the their secondary and Quandre Diggs I think is awesome so I think he's going to fit in very well with Seattle. I mean, Pete Carroll is, in my opinion, a defensive coach. So I think he's going to work very well there. So it'll, uh, I think it'll be good. And it's fine because the, the Detroit Lions have been playing really good football, 
but their record doesn't show that because right now they are sitting in last place in their division with a, a two, three and one record. And I, I think that they're just, uh, they're one of those teams that can't find a way to finish. And even you look at last week and last week you had Marvin Jones go absolutely berserk four touchdowns, uh, becoming only the third wide receiver in NFL history to have multiple four touchdown games. And they still lost the game. <laughs> I yeah. mean, that, that uh, it, it's so rare that you have such an amazing per- offensive performance and you still go out and lose the game to, uh, to a division rival in, in Minnesota. Yeah, but like I was saying, the Lions' schedule has not been easy by any means. No, Their no schedule, it's been a very tough one. So I'm not even going to blame them, you know. It, like, they're last place in their division. But if you put the Lions this year in almost any other division, they're in first or second place. So, you know, I very much am liking what the Lions are doing. I really did at the beginning of this year think that they they could be a playoff contender, maybe have a deep playoff run. But I do think that, like like we were just saying, this trade I think really does affect the team morale. And I think it causes them to not necessarily tank, but I don't think the team is going to mesh as well anymore. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how, how they come out against the Giants this week. Uh, carry on Johnson – uh, just found himself on IR. So again, for uh, for you fantasy football players, uh, Ty Johnson, if he's available, go get him. Uh, he's going to be uh, the lead back in uh, in Detroit for the foreseeable future. Uh, I do think JD McKissick is going to uh, to see a, a lot of snaps, especially in passing down situations. Uh, we saw from his time in Seattle that he can be one of the upper echelon uh, receiving running backs in the league. Uh, he's been very effective in that role. So I, I do think that uh, he's going to be utilized. But uh, Ty Johnson is, is definitely someone that's uh, been under the radar. And I think he's especially you're looking, he's now going against the New York Giants who uh, got eaten alive by Chase Edmonds, another under the radar uh, running back. Uh, he had his homecoming. Uh, he, he played his football, uh, his college football in Fordham, only a couple miles, uh, about maybe about 10, 15 miles from uh, from MetLife Stadium. Uh, so Chase Edmonds ju- uh, put up 150 yards and three touchdowns against the Giants. So someone like Ty Johnson is definitely going to be somebody uh, that I'm going to be looking to start and especially play in uh, in my daily fantasy lineups on uh, on FanDuel and DraftKings this weekend. Uh, but speaking of this weekend, we are going to get into our Week 8 preview. Uh, we're each going to uh, pick two games that uh that we want to discuss and pick and then we will also uh, break down the monday night football game uh 
Uh, so, uh, Jared, why don't you start us off with, uh, with the first game that you want to break down? The first game that I want to break down is going to be the Chargers and the Bears. You know, they're not – neither team this year, I feel, has performed up to what everyone expected them to be. I feel like a lot of people expected both the Bears and the Chargers to be a playoff contending team. I feel like a lot of people expected them to, you know, have a case to be made to maybe make it to the championship game or the Super Bowl or whatever it may be. But right now the Chargers are two and five and the Bears are three and three. That's not a good look for, like I said, two teams that are, a lot of people are expecting to be playoff contenders. So the reason I wanted to go over this game is I think that the, no matter who wins this game, I think is kind of a chance to redeem themselves and kind of try to get back on the right track. You know, the Bears have a great defense, but have a horrible quarterback. And the Chargers just have not been playing well. Melvin Gordon has not looked the same since coming off of his holdout. You know, Austin Eckler has kind of been doing all the work for the Chargers. Hunter Henry just coming back is also putting in a lot of work. So, you know, I want to see one of these teams make a bounce back. But for the game, I am going to take the Bears over the Chargers. I think that the Bears' defense is going to keep the offense in check. I don't think it's going to be difficult for them to do so. And Mitch Trubisky may not be great for the Bears, but I do see him being able to complete at least a couple of passes and maybe a touchdown pass. Yeah, the, these are definitely two of the more disappointing teams in the NFL this this year. And I guess what what sort of digs the knife a little bit deeper into the backs of uh Chicago Bears fans is that they uh they took Mitch Trubisky with uh, they traded up with San Francisco from the number 3 to the number 2, which I didn't make sense to me because San Fran wasn't going to be taking Trubisky. Um, they traded up from three to two to take Mitch Trubisky. And then uh, eight and 10 picks later in the draft, uh, two, two other quarterbacks were taken and uh, the, their names are, are probably known. Uh, someone like, Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. <laughs> those two quarterbacks uh, man, can you were tell taken. Me... <laughs> I need a refresher. Who are those guys again? Yeah. Uh, it's only the MVP of last year becoming only the third quarterback in NFL history to throw for 5,000 yards and 50 touchdowns in a season. And one of the more dynamic quarterbacks that the NFL has and who someone who is currently the number two quarterback in uh, fantasy football this year. Uh, their names are Patrick Mahomes and Deshaun Watson. And they were taken eight and 10 picks after the bears took Mitch Trubisky. Uh, it, it's, it's got a sting when, when, and to be honest for that year's draft, uh, I, I, <laughs> 
I actually had Watson as my number one. I had Mahomes as my number two. Now, a lot of people were a, a little scared about uh, Mahomes with the uh, the inconsistency with his completion and his just lack of real fundamentals, but I saw something in him. Uh, but I digress. We are talking Chargers Bears. <laughs> uh, but Patrick, uh, <laughs> Mitch Trubisky has not been good. And aside from one standout game last year, he hasn't been good for basically his entire career. Uh, no, the Chargers, the, the, the Chargers defense has not been playing well, but they definitely still do have pieces uh, with Bosa, with Ingram, and with uh, Casey Hayward. So they do have an impact player at each level of their defense. And impact players tend to get the best of Mitch Trubisky in head-to-head matchups. Uh, the, the Bears offensive line has experienced a couple injuries over the past couple weeks. Uh, so I, I, I think that the, the defense is going to be able to uh, – I'm definitely taking the under in this one. I don't think a lot of points are, are going to be scored. Uh, the one way that you beat the Chargers defense is by rush, running the ball. And the Chicago Bears, who you would think because of their defense would want to be a sound running team, control the clock and, and really get uh, the, the time of possession in their favor. That would be what you would think the, the Bears would. They ran the ball seven times last week, seven times. Now, I know that they were down early and throughout most of the game. But there, there's no excuse for running the ball only seven times in a game. Uh, Matt Nagy is really having a, a tough time, uh, I, I think, running this team. Uh, so... I, I'm looking for a low-scoring game, and I do think the the San Diego. I'm going to do this forever. I, I, I'm never <laughs> going to call them the Los Angeles Chargers. It's unreal. The Los Angeles Chargers are going to beat the Chicago Bears in a low-scoring game. I guess we're going to have to disagree on that one. I do think it's yeah. going to be a low-scoring game, but I am going to take the Bears over the Chargers in that one. All right, so the uh, the first game that is on my list is uh, the undefeated San Francisco 49ers playing host to the Carolina Panthers, uh, who are coming off their bye. They're sitting at four and two. I think this is going to be a great game. Uh, we they still haven't ruled out. Uh, Cam Newton for playing in this game. I still think he's a week away. Uh, But Kyle Allen has filled in very admirably. Uh, But the the matchup that I'm definitely looking forward to the most is the 
staunch San Francisco defense against uh, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, McCaffrey has just been all-world so far this year. Uh, not many teams have been able to stop him, uh, but th- this is this is going to be a, a big test for him. Uh, the uh, where are you looking for uh, impact plays in this game? So the impact plays that I'm going to be looking for, at least for the Panthers' offense, is going to be the it, it's going to be those quick little third down and fours. And those are going to be the plays that I'm going to be looking for that are going to give the Panthers the edge in this game. Um, I think I, and a lot of the red zone plays as well. And I think, like you said, the matchup between Christian McCaffrey, who has just, who, in my opinion, there should be no question should be the MVP front runner right now. I really do think that, San Francisco is going to have a tough time shutting him down entirely. McCaffrey can play on all phases of the ball. He can run the ball down the middle. He can run to the outside. He can catch the ball downfield. He can catch it in the backfield. McCaffrey can do it all. He can do everything. And I think what's going to end up happening is the 49ers are going to be able to stop him on whether they're focusing on, you know, the pass like the pass game and stopping them that way or stopping him on the run game, but they're not going to be able to do both. And I think it's going to be a lot of the, you're going to see a lot of those situations where the Panthers are going to need to convert on third down and it's not going to be third and eight, third and nine. It's going to be third and four, third and five, maybe third and three, but they're going to need to convert on those plays. And those are what's going to be the big impact plays. I think you're going to see, I think you're going to get, one big run out of McCaffrey. It might not be a touchdown run. It might be 25, 30 yards, but I think you are going to see at least one generally big run out of him this week. Yeah. And then you look at the other side of the ball and you look at how effective the 49ers have been uh, in terms of ball control, in terms of being able to run the ball uh, with Tevin Coleman, with Matt Burita, uh, the, 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 that combo has been absolutely phenomenal. And a lot of it has to do with the scheme that comes from Kyle Shanahan, uh, which is the Mike Shanahan system from Denver. Uh, I, I think we're going to see a lot of sustained drive. So again, this is another one that I, I'm probably looking at a a lower score because I think both teams are going to want to play ball control offense. And you said you're seeing a lot of third and manageable. I think that's what both teams are going to want, want to be in all day because they're going to want to have those extended drives. Uh, I'm not sure that the Carolina defense is going to be able to withstand a full game of ball control. So while I, I do think that this is, uh, this is going to be a great game, it's definitely going to be one that I'm going to be paying very close attention to. Uh, I do think that San Francisco, because of their ability to play, I think a full 60 minute game on defense 
and the the success that they've had running the ball. Uh, I I do think it uh, they get a, a slight edge, uh, but I would not be shocked if Carolina won. No, I um, I I think Carolina is going to win. I know that the 49ers are the favorites. I forget what the spread was, but um, I know that the 49ers are the favorites. But I am going to take the Panthers on this one, and this is going to be the reason why. So the Panthers' defense, I think, are the second – I think they're the second-best defense in the league right behind New England, at least since week three. Since Kyle Allen started, I think the Panthers' defense has been the best defense consistently throughout those seasons so far. And I think what's going to happen – and I'm, I'll – be corrected if it doesn't happen, but I think the 49ers are really going to try to force the passing game. I think with the new acquisition of Emmanuel Sanders and and the 49ers being the favorites, I think what's going to end up happening is they're going to come out the first half of the game and they're going to try to enforce the look. We've already established through the first seven weeks that we've had a run game. Now we're going to try to prove that we have a passing game now that we have Emmanuel Sanders. And I think that's going to turn around and bite them in the butt. And I think Carolina is going to take that apart through the first half of the game. I wouldn't be surprised if going into halftime, Jimmy Garoppolo throws two interceptions, whether it's a misread or, you know, miscommunications between him and one of the wide receivers trying to establish that passing game. And I think those turnovers are going to be the crucial part of this game. I don't expect, I think this is going to be a much more defensive game. I think it's going to be a lower scoring game, but if the Panthers are able to create those turnovers, even getting three points off of a field goal would be huge in that type, in this type of game. So I'm going to go with the Panthers on this one as well. All right, so uh, we're going against each other so far in the uh, in the first two uh, games that we are picking. Uh, so, what is uh, what's your second game on tap? My second game is the Texans and the Raiders. So again, the Texans they've been good. Deshaun Watson has looked good all season. You know, he's playing very very good football. The Raiders have surprised me. I mean, the Texans right now are four and three. The Raiders are three and three. They're both kind of middle of the pack. But the Raiders have surprised me. You know, a lot of people, when Antonio Brown got released, oh, the the Raiders have no offense. They have no one on offense. But Darren Waller is having himself one hell of a season. And you said that week one. You said that week one. You were saying that Waller was going to have a breakout season. And you have been right so far this about that. Their offense, while they don't have a lot of pieces, just is meshing very, very well with what they have. And Derek Carr, while he's not the greatest quarterback, he's very solid, and I really do, do like what Oakland is doing. And same thing with the Texans. You know, Deshaun Watson has been incredible. DeAndre Hopkins had himself a huge game last week. 
with Will Fuller being out, DeAndre Hopkins is going to be getting even more targets now. He's going to be the number one. Is I mean, he always has been the number one, but he's he's going to see a lot more targets. And I know Will Fuller is going to be out for at least a couple of weeks. So that's, you know, going to improve a lot for DeAndre Hopkins in terms of how many targets he's going to be seeing. Will also depend on his coverage quite a bit. But uh, the one that I'm thinking is that they also have Kenny Stills, who they got from Miami. And Kenny Stills, I think he's going to – I think he's really going to have to step up, and I think he's going to do a good job, especially with someone like Deshaun Watson behind center. And, you know, I think it's this is, again, similar to the Chargers and Bears game. I think this is one of those games that kind of puts into perspective what has to happen for the rest of the season – and I think it kind of motivates both teams. So in this one, I'm going to take the Texans. Yeah. So uh, I was hoping that you would bring up Kenny Stills. Kenny Kenny Stills is actually uh, someone that I tried to pick up on as many of my fa- fantasy teams as I could uh, without Will Fuller, uh, with Kiki Kuti still being uh, ineffective for the majority of the season. Uh, and may, just jumping on Will, Will Fuller for a little bit. Uh, th- this may be one of those real what if players. Uh, he's just one of those guys that cannot stay on the field. And it, it really frustrates you because when he's on the field, he has such a major impact on the game uh his speed and his ability to just make that dynamic play at any given time uh and and the fact that he can't stay on the field uh, let's say he's going to be one of those what if players uh but i i definitely uh think that kenny stills is going to be um uh, is going to have a, a major impact. The one spot that the uh, that the Texans can uh, get beat on in their defense is their secondary. I just don't think the Raiders have enough firepower uh, with their wide receivers to have to to be able to exploit the weakness of the, uh, of the Texans defense. Um, I do think that, and Darren Waller is right now. He is the number one target on the team. He, he he's they're the tight end, but he is the de facto number one uh, on, uh, on the Raiders. Uh, cars looking to him in all sorts of situations, check downs uh, on short plays down the seam uh, outside the numbers. Waller's just getting it done in all facets of the game. Uh, and you know what? They rewarded him by giving him a three-year contract. So I, I definitely – Waller – and I know Tyrell Williams is going to be uh, back this weekend. I just don't think that there is enough uh, firepower in the, in, in the wide receiver group for, uh, for Oakland to keep up with what I think Houston's going to be. I do see Houston uh, winning this game. 
uh, one name that neither one of us brought up was Josh Jacobs. And they're expecting him to play, but he has missed the last two uh, practices. So he's obviously not at full strength. When he's at full strength, he can really take over a game. He's been really good this year. I just don't think he's going to be there this week. Uh, so I I see the, uh, the the Texans winning as well. Uh, my second game is going to be the Sunday night football game. And, man, the, this could have been one of the ultimate matchups of the season. Uh, with, with the 6-1 and one Green Bay Packers, the 5-2 and two Kansas City Chiefs, uh, we could have seen almost like a, a passing of the torch type of game uh, with Rodgers and Mahomes. And the the crazy thing is, is that Patrick Mahomes still has not been ruled out of this game. He dislocated his knee a week ago today. Uh, and he has not been, I, now I don't think he's going to play, but we'll, we'll put it at that, but he still has not been ruled out of this game. And that is bananas. Uh, I do think he will be back next week. Uh, but so we're going to have Matt Moore uh, being the uh, the signal caller for the Chiefs this weekend. And I don't think it's going to be enough because, the again, uh, I, we're, they're going to need to, for the first time in quite some time, rely on their run game. That's the the weaker the weakness of the Packers defense is their run defense. Their secondary has been great this year, um, but the inefficiencies of the offensive line in KC. Uh, we, we have McCoy, who's been good, but not the McCoy that uh, we're always used to. Uh, Damian Williams has been bad. Darrell Williams has been eh. Uh, so they're going to have to rely on that run game this week, especially with Matt Moore. I just don't see it happening. Uh, I will be taking the Green Bay Packers in this game. Yeah, I agree. The Green Bay. Well, let me let me start with this. I really think that this is going to come down to the health of the Green Bay Packers. Their offense has taken a lot of hits, like a lot. Almost every single one of their big-name receivers is listed as questionable or has missed time or just – they have been literally plagued with injuries for the past three, four weeks. And I think that's going to be a huge, huge factor depending on certain players. I think if Scantling can – you know, gets his full – is fully healthy – and his health is able to cooperate. I think that's going to be a big part for Green Bay. I I think Devontae Adams needs to come back. And I, I even if he plays limited reps, I think just having him out there would be huge for Green Bay. You know, I mean, we saw Kansas City's defense step up. I mean, it was against the Broncos. So, I mean, you can't really judge based off of that. But, I mean... Matt Moore did not play poorly for Kansas City when he had to come in the game. 
And I really do think that, you know, with them just having a healthier offense, you know, I, I just think having the healthier offense in Kansas City is actually going to be more beneficial for them. So until the injury report comes out on Friday or Saturday for Green Bay, I am going to take Kansas City. Yeah, um, I mean it, it's now the the one thing that I, I I know that there's been a lot of questions about, especially in the fantasy uh, world this week, have been what do we expect from Tyreek Hill, and if you go back to when Matt Moore was having the most success in his career was when he was with Miami. What did he have the most success with? And his success was with the aforementioned Kenny Stills and the downfield game. Uh, so I, I do think that uh, obviously the, the biggest downfield threat for the chiefs is going to be Tyreek Hill. So uh I think Tyreek Hill should be okay. I'd be a little worried about Sammy Watkins. Uh, I, I don't think there's going to be enough targets around for someone like a Mecole Hardman, for someone like a Demarcus Robinson. Uh, I, 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 ju- I just don't think that Matt Moore is going to be able to keep up with uh with the offense that and look at what look at what Aaron Rodgers did last week uh 450 and uh 450 and 5 uh just an, an absolutely unbelievable game uh he hasn't needed to be spectacular because they've been able to run the ball very efficiently all year um but I, I really do think that Aaron Rodgers showed, hey, look, I'm still really good at football. And the Kansas City Chiefs, yes, they did look good last week, but they played against Denver. And we all know that Joe Flacco has the tendency to make bad defenses look good. Uh, so I, I, I think that the explosiveness that we're going to see from the Green Bay uh, the Green Bay offense is going to be a little bit too much uh, for uh, for the, uh, the the Chiefs. So uh, uh, yeah, I'm going with the Packers. Uh, our the final game we're going to break down. This one shouldn't take too long. Uh, it's going to be the Monday night game, and it is going to be the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Miami Dolphins. What do you got in this game? Uh, I have the Steelers 100 to nothing. I mean, that should be a given. (laughs) (laughs) But, no, in all all actuality, you know, you can never – you can never rule out any team on any given Sunday. I mean, Buffalo was seemingly struggling against Miami for the first half of the game. So – you know, obviously I'm going to pick the Steelers with this one, but maybe the whole thing of Miami tanking just isn't true and they're just actually this bad, which is kind of hard to believe. But 
you know, I really think that, you know, Mason Rudolph is going to come back out there this week. I think he is going to want to show everybody, look, I'm okay. I don't see them running the ball a lot. You know, I think obviously James Conner is an exceptional running back, but I think that Mason Rudolph is going to want to show out, go out there and show out. And I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a huge game. He has not been targeted a lot through these past three or four weeks due to injuries from Ben Roethlisberger, Mason Rudolph going down, Delvin Hodges coming in, and just he, he has almost been on the back burner. But kind of similar to what I was saying about the Browns a few weeks ago is that you just need to get him involved, and that's all they got to do. And once they get him involved a little bit more, they're going to start doing well. Obviously, the Browns haven't been doing great, but ever since Jarvis Landry got more involved with that offense and he started seeing nine and ten targets every game, it, it was a big upgrade from what they've been doing. So I think Juju Smith-Schuster is going to have a big game, and I think it's going to come a lot of Mason Rudolph trying to be like, look, I'm okay. I've got this. I can take hard hits. I can come back onto the field and do what I'm meant to do. Yeah, uh, obviously I'm going to go with the Steelers also. Uh, now, granted, they the, the Dolphins do play better with Ryan Fitzpatrick at at the helm. Uh, they were a, a failed two-point conversion away from beating Washington a couple weeks ago. Uh, but the, the, it's it's a bad team. And even with uh, the the injury plague uh, of the of the Steelers, uh, I, they're just the better team. Their their defense ever since week three uh, has been spectacular. They are pressuring the quarterback. They're getting after the quarterback, and they're going to be able to uh, to do that. Uh, I, I think all game. Uh, I I do uh, like your take on. Uh, on Juju having a, a big bounce back game. Uh, so before we wrap up, I know there's a, there's a couple things uh, that, that you got. So the two things actually come off of the Patriots. So as you mentioned earlier with Josh Gordon going on injury reserve, it looks like Josh Gordon is actually done in New England. Once he clears IR the Patriots have no choice but to cut him. So I want your opinion on this. Why do you think that the Patriots took this avenue of placing him on IR and then are eventually just going to waive him instead of trying to get some sort of value out of him in terms of trading him? Yeah, the, this, uh, the, the whole Josh Gordon thing, and I, I know I, I heard the, the news earlier too, that once he's healthy, uh, they're going to uh, to place him on uh, injured waivers and, and release him. Um, I really hope it's not something that we've seen before. And I hate the fact that I'm thinking that way, that, that I'm even bringing it up. 
but I, I, I just, I, I hope it's not him having some sort of relapse. Um, the, the, the kid has worked hard to get back to what, what he's strived for. Uh, it, it's, it, it really it would really be a disappointment if it is that now i'm not saying it is but something about why they would just cut him now it could just be that they don't want to deal with the injury concerns um they they would rather just get the because i i don't think they'll be able to trade him before the trade deadline uh with with uh with the injury so I, I i don't think they'll be able to to get anything out of him that way uh i i really don't know it's one of those head scratching uh news stories where i i i like i said i just hope it's not what we've seen in the past. Agreed. Now let me ask you one more question on this before I get into my next piece. Do you think it's possible? I mean, we saw this with Ben Watson. Do you think it's possible that the Patriots, you know, release him for a couple of hours and then re-sign him to kind of restructure his contract? Do you think that's a possibility? Oh, absolutely. Uh, If, If everything is on the straight and narrow with him and it is strictly a salary thing, then uh th- then I can definitely see that 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 being although I, I don't know if that's something that he would be interested in doing. I know he's awfully grateful for the, the Patriots for giving him uh the this second, third or fourth or fifth chance that uh that he's had in the NFL. So um, it's definitely on the table. Awesome. That, that was another thing that I was thinking, but the last thing I want to get into real quick is back to trade talks. So when you were talking about trades today, I thought you were going to bring this up. The Patriots traded defensive end Michael Bennett to the Cowboys for a conditional seventh round pick. Why would you give away a Pro Bowl caliber defensive end for packing peanuts? One, because I don't think he's a, a Pro Bowl caliber defensive end anymore. Uh, two, he wasn't really playing the amount of snaps that I think was was worthy of the salary that he was making. Three... I think that the Patriots defense is going to be just fine without him. Uh, he's never been one to, uh, to, to be known to be a, a great locker room asset. Uh, he, he tends to make things about himself. Uh, and, and I think the Patriots defense, obviously, I mean, the, the, if I had to pick a fantasy football MVP for the first half of the uh, of the fantasy regular season, it would be the Patriots defense. 
they're just that uh, the Patriots defense would be the number one tight end in the, in all of fantasy football. If, if they were a tight end, they would, that's how good they've been. They've outscored every single tight end in the game. Uh, so I, 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 I just think that they're going to be, and with the age that he's at right now, they were just looking to get rid of the salary and they were able to find a, a, a team willing to put up a, 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 a seventh that could turn into a sixth. So um, I, I don't think the, the move actually has a major impact on either team only because I, I think his career is, uh, on the uh, on the downside. Fair enough. But yeah, I just wanted to bring up those two points. So. Yeah, and so uh, I'm going. My uh, my final uh, bit is going to be about uh, about some of my favorite uh, FanDuel plays for this weekend. So I'm always looking to uh, to get in those uh, those cheap plays. Uh, my my favorite cheap play at quarterback over on Fanduel this week is going to be the one and only Ryan Tannehill, uh, sitting at sixty nine hundred. I uh, was playing against a putrid Tampa Bay uh, defense. Uh, we've seen an emergence from AJ Brown uh, and Corey Davis ever since Ryan Tannehill took over from uh, from Marcus Mariota. Uh, they're they're just more uh, a more efficient uh, offensive team. They're able to be balanced with Mariota. Everybody was stacking the box because Mariota wasn't able to exploit anything. And it's weird to hear myself say that Ryan Tannehill is a a better quarterback for them than Marcus Mariota. Uh, But right now I I definitely like, uh, where Tannehill is sitting at 6,900 this week. Got to get him into your lineup. Um, I I had brought up Ty Johnson earlier. Uh, Ty Johnson's got to get, got to be in your lineup this weekend at only 5,200 going against the giants defense. Like I said, that just allowed 150 and three touchdowns to chase Edmonds. Uh, He's taking over the full-time role from Carryon Johnson, uh, so that's my running back that I have to get into my lineups this week. Uh, when uh, lo- looking at the uh, at the wide receivers, I definitely like both uh, Corey Davis and AJ Brown uh, pairing them up with uh, either one. I wouldn't play both of them. Uh, pairing him up with someone like Tannehill if I'm going to go that way. Uh, another one that I I really like is going to be uh, Darius Slayton from the Giants. Uh, I think the, the, the Detroit secondary, especially now without Quandre Diggs, uh, I think they're felt they feel a little slighted. Uh, I can see him having a big game uh, on the outside and at only 5,200. Uh, he's definitely going to be someone that I'm going to be playing a lot this week. Uh, over at tight end, 
listen for the availability of O.J. Howard. O.J. Howard may not play. There's also whisperings about O.J. Howard possibly being on the trading block. If he is, get Cameron Bright in that lineup. Um, and it, it looks like Jared Cook is going to miss another game. I, I do like uh, Josh Hill at, at only 5,000 uh, against Arizona. And as always, play the Patriots defense. Uh, <laughs> with with the, the putrid Browns offensive line, uh, I'm looking for a, a minimum of six sacks of Baker Mayfield this week. Uh, what, what do you think of those picks? I like them. I mean, I don't, I don't follow FanDuel as much. I've never actually been able to bring myself to get on there. This is actually only my second year doing uh, fantasy football, and it's my first year doing a paid league. So I can't comment much on that. But, yeah, six sacks against Baker Mayfield very, very much seems reasonable. Yeah. So, all right. That is, uh, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Zero Technique podcast. Uh, Jared, why don't you uh, let everyone know where you can be found? As always, you guys can find me on Twitter at journalistj0. That's where you can find all of my content that is posted on backsportspage.com. You can also find me on Facebook. I'm just Jared Zero. I should be the only one. Um, yeah, so that's where to find me. And, you know, check out my articles. Check out all the great content that's up on backsportspage.com. You know, you got a lot of great, great writers up there. You got a lot of great other podcasts to listen to for baseball. There's actually a new podcast that I am also a part of on a rotating basis called the Exit Velo Podcast, which is about baseball. So, yes, check out backsportspage.com. And as always, once again, you can find me at rstern33 uh, on Twitter, on Instagram, which uh, which I never go on, but that's where I am. Uh, and uh, once again, uh, backsportspage.com, Twitter at backsportspage, Instagram at backsportspage, uh, Facebook. Again, Backsports page. Make sure you're following everyone everywhere. Uh, Jared, I hope you have a great week. Uh, enjoy the uh, the world, the rest of the World Series. Enjoy Week Eight, and uh, and let's do this again next week. Absolutely, I will talk to you then, Ryan. All right, everyone, have a good one.